We continue with week two of Advent, looking at the gifts of God from him to us, scattered throughout the pages of scripture. And this week's gift, we are looking at the P word. I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, and this is the Dirt Pastor Men Podcast. If you have your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, Christmas is all about presents. Okay, maybe it's about the present. Uh, the present is, is from God to you and me and his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to set us all free from the oppression of sin so we could have eternal life. The reason we give gifts at Christmas is in remembrance of this one gift. It's a similar similar to the way the elements in the Lord's Supper remind us of the sacrifice. The exchange of presents is a call to remember the one gift. And though God has already given us the greatest gift of all, through Jesus Christ, He is still outgiving us. Through this Advent season, we are unwrapping these gifts from God to us found in the Bible. The question for this, this message is, what gift from God to us is found in Second Peter chapter three verses eighteen through or eight through fifteen? This is how it reads: Second Peter chapter three verses eight through fifteen. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends: with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand days are like a day. A thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will become like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are now looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, before we can unwrap the, the gift from God to us in this passage, it's important to remember that the mind of the early Christian church was the, the, the mind of the early church Christian was a little different from our minds today. We based our faith we base our faith on knowing where we will go when we die. Think about it, we've all been asked that. Yeah, that was the question we were probably asked when we came to salvation in Jesus. It's the question of do you know where you go when you'll die? Our hope is not based on Jesus' return, but on escaping and being in his presence in, in, in heaven. But the early church, they expected Jesus to return in their lifetimes. So they lived with a sense of urgency. As each year passed, however, it created openings for scoffers to cast doubts on Jesus' promise to return. And it's in response to such scoffers that Peter is addressing believers. Let's look at verses eight through nine here for a second. Peter writes, do, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. 
With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Notice Peter begins verse 8 with stressing the importance of the information he is about to share. Notice he writes, do not forget. This means that this is something that we need to remember. This is something he's calling for the Christians he's writing to, to place in their hearts and their minds and to to remember it always. Uh, For me, when I need to remember something like this, it's very important that I have a pen and paper to write it down. And then I give that piece of paper to somebody else so I don't lose it. Uh, But Peter is writing here that to tell Christians who, who hear this letter read that they need to be paying attention to the information that's about to come. And in this section, Peter is referencing uh, Psalm 90, verse 4, which reads, For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that just gone, that just gone by, or like a watch in the, the night. Um, this is, this is a, at least in my Bible, it credits this, this psalm, Psalm 90, as a prayer to Moses. We're talking about the Moses from way back in the Old Testament that God used to deliver his people out of slavery. And the idea is that God is eternal existing outside of time as we know it. God is not bound to calendars or clocks as we are. You and I, we're always racing against the clock, getting upset when our meals do not come fast enough or FedEx delivers our new running shoes later than when their tracker stated. But God's delay in the return of Christ is an eternal God's response to our world bound to time. And as time goes forward for us, so does the devastating impact of sin in this world. The second coming of Jesus will mark the end for sin, making a moment that we as Christians should eagerly await. But Peter writes that God has not allowed this to take place because he wants everyone to come to repentance. You see, sin was judged with Jesus' first coming. At the second coming, it will forever be destroyed. And repentance is when a sinner recognizes that truth and then turns away from sin to God, saved from final destruction. That's why we, we ask the question, have you been saved? Uh, it's, it's, it's have you made that turn from the life of sin to God? So therefore, God delays because his will is for everyone to be saved. Verses 10 through 13, and Peter goes on. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. You see, the second coming is going to happen. You know, Peter is he's he's writing this section to address this idea that you know because time had passed and Jesus hadn't returned yet that it just wasn't going to happen that it was false or God maybe Jesus was mistaken or maybe the disciples misunderstood and make no doubt about it this is a promise of God Jesus shared this promise with his disciples the 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 messenger of God the angel repeated it to the disciples as Jesus sent it into heaven and even before all that if you read throughout the pages of the Old Testament. There, there's a calling to this day of judgment that awaits at the end of all things. So the second coming is going to happen. 
And here, as as time continues to progress in the moment that has not arrived, Peter is reminding the church that even though it hasn't happened yet, we should not lose the expectation and the urgency of this event. In verse 10, Peter describes some frightening events as sin. Evil, or Peter describes some frightening events as sin, evil, and his cohorts are destroyed forever. I mean, let's talk. Let's think about this. He, he writes about the the uh, the heavens disappearing with a loud roar. He talks about the elements being destroyed by fire. No matter how you try and break this down or phrase it, this is some scary stuff taking place. Um. And what Peter is saying, though, in, in light of what's going to happen, in light of this event that's going to occur when sin is finally destroyed. Remember, it's or, sin's already been judged. That happened when Jesus entered the world and died upon the cross and rose again. Sin's already been condemned, and evil along with it. And those who practice evil condemn with it. But remember, God is being patient in, in the, for the event of the second coming, because second, the second coming is when it will be destroyed. So God is being patient. And so since we're being, God's being patient and holding out for all the kind of repentance, Peter writes in verse 11, since this is an event that's going to happen, he writes, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? So all the destruction mentioned in 10 is for sin and evil. But Jesus came so that we could be saved from this moment through faith in him. A person saved from this day should be found living holy and godly lives. What does it mean to live a holy and godly life? Sin is the way of the world and those in the world. It's a, it's a way ruled by death, requiring a survival of the fittest mentality. Think about it. To be on top, in, in, at the top of the human kingdom, it, it's going to cost you a lot of things to be considered the greatest. You're going to have to make the most money. You're going to have to live the longest you're going to have to be the most popular. You're going to have to have the most power. And how do you get those things? Oftentimes, it's through, through sin and corruption and using other people to reach the top. It's, again, a very civilized way of, of survival of the fittest. And this, 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 way, this, this way of sin, this is the commonness. This is the way the world behaves. This is the way those who belong to, to sin behave. This is the way those who... Re- are, are choose not to follow God or are living their lives. They're living their lives according to the commonness of this world. But Peter says when Jesus returns, we should be found living holy and godly lives. And that word holy means to be set apart. A holy life is one separated from sin and the ways of sin. A heart washed in the blood so thoroughly that it is forgiven and freed from sin. And a mind transformed by discovering the ways of holiness. And when Jesus returns, this is how those who follow him should be found. Now, for those living as we ought, this day that's coming is a day of hope. Because all the pain, suffering, and death and impact of sin will come to an end. True followers of Jesus, we look for and want this day to come. We're not afraid of it. Uh, in, in Revelation 6, it talks about what, this day occurring and, 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 what, and, and those who are living according to sin and, and sin's ways, they, they actually cry out for, for the rocks to fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It's those who choose sin and reject God that are making those cries. But those of us who have, 
who believe in Jesus, those who are clinging to hope in him, this is not our cry. Because we have no reason to be afraid on this day. This is the day we hope for when all the pain and the suffering, all the things that try and, and tear us away from our loved ones, all the things that try and tear us away from God are going to be destroyed and taken away from this world. And it's all going to be made new again. This is the hope of Christianity. Jesus and his return. Verses 14 and 15 say, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. You see, God's desire is not for anyone to be lost to destruction. But it's for every single person to find salvation in Jesus. When Peter makes that statement in verse 14 of make every effort, he is saying, make it your business to be found holy when Jesus returns. You and I as Christians, we should be making loving God and loving others our business. You see, living out holiness is turning away from sin to the ways of God. And what are the ways of God? Loving God and loving others. And our God's desire is that every one of us be saved. And if you love God, then you will accept his gift of salvation. And if you love others, then you will share the hope of salvation with them. And this is demonstrating your love for God because this is what he desires. That's what we do when we love somebody. We know that their heart desires something. When we truly love them, we will go out of our way to try and bring the bring their heart's des desires to reality. And so if we truly love God, we're going to love our neighbor. We're going to love our neighbor enough to share the message of hope found in Jesus with them. But then again, as Christians, we, we struggle with the first part of loving God. See, loving God means we obey his commands. And one of his commands is to love others. You see, it's a circle. <laughs> so what is the gift of God found in this passage? We've, we've, we looked at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 15, and, and we're studying this advent of trying to figure out the, the, the gifts of Jesus revealed to us, you know, the gifts of God from him to us revealed through Jesus, not just Jesus himself, but but the gifts that that are demonstrated through the coming of Jesus in, in our lives and that God has for us. And so what is the gift of God found in this passage? And that gift is patience. God's gift to you and me is patience. I know it's the P word. And the thing that you're told never, it's the thing that you are told never to pray for. And that is not what the gift in this passage is anyway. I'm not to say, and I'm, I'm not saying this. The Holy Spirit, when we have, when we surrender our lives to God, and let the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us. That will help. That will help us learn to be to learn to be long suffering like God is. Remember, true love is is patient. It's kind, right? But notice in that in that statement from Paul in defining love for us, he starts off by saying, "Love is patient." Meaning, love love suffers long. That it that it endures a lot of stuff. So that when we when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, yes, in a, in, a, in a sense, God is gifting patience to us 
through the power of his spirit's living spirit living in us to give us the power to endure and to have patience as we wait for the Lord's return and to have patience as we're dealing with those around us. But that's not the gift that Peter is pointing out to us here. The gift of God, from God to us in 2 Peter 3.8 is patience not given to you for you to use, but the gift is God's patience with you. You see, Matthew Henry, Matthew Henry wrote this. He said, repentance is absolutely necessary in order to accept salvation. You cannot be saved from the final destruction that Peter writes about in verses 10 through 13 here. If you refuse to repent, that word repent means that you are confessing your sin to God. You are humbly admitting that you have fallen short of the standard that God has. But not only that, are you admitting that you are turning away from the from that life. You're turning away from those ways towards God and the way of holiness. And you see, God is delaying the return of Jesus so that you so that you have time to take this necessary step. Why? Because his desire is for you to be saved, and God patiently waits for you to want to be saved. Think about it. We are so utterly and totally lost in sin that, one, we, we deny the existence of God. We deny that, that we are the real problem. That's how lost we are. We, we always assume that the world is the problem around us, but in reality, our biggest hindrance to living for God, living ways pleasing to God, is our own corrupted heart, a heart that was born in sin and that is infiltrated fully with sin. It's a heart that has not only infiltrated, it's self-infiltrated, but it's influenced our minds into thinking on, thinking about how to sin our, to, to keep our sins safe and keep, keep our secrets hidden and also how to navigate using sins in a sinful world. We're so, that's how lost we are. But God in his infinite grace and love for us, he drops little breadcrumbs of his grace in our lives that are directing us towards him. And remember, his desire is for us to be saved. And so he's patiently waiting as he drops those breadcrumbs, waiting for the moment where our hearts are soft enough to receive that truth and our eyes to be open to the salvation that has been made available to us. Now, God's gift of patience isn't a gift for you. It's it's a, God's patience with you as He waits for you to come to that moment where you recognize your need to repent and turn from your life into the life that God has always created to you, the one that's in Him and fill, you filled with His presence. See, God's patience with you does not end once you accept the gift of salvation. He's patient. As, he is. His, he is patient as you wrestle with new life and a heart that desires sin. So yes, you've accepted the gift of salvation, and, and you know where you're going to know. You know where you're going to go when you die. But living that lifestyle, this new way of life, in the middle of midst of a sinful, broken world, is complicated. You have to wrestle with so much of what you know from your past. You have to wrestle with where you're weak and, and where you're incapable of making it on your own. When you surrender that heart, God gives you his spirit to be able to found, be found living sinless on the day he returns. You see, at some point you're going to realize your heart is hindering you from fully serving God. So you're going to, that's a crisis moment where you, you offer that heart up to God as a living sacrifice. And he takes your, your heart of stone. Your heart that's so calcified 
by sins corrupted, and he replaces it with his heart, from which is full of his spirit, which will help you in, uh, unravel the simple thinking, not you know, in in your mind. It, it, your your new heart will begin to help you to develop new patterns to the way you live this life. That's why Paul writes in Romans twelve that we are, we are, he writes, "Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be re- be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Your your brain has to unlearn all the patterns it's learned from how to on how to sin and how to live in a sinful world, and and God is teaching you from the holy heart of His that is within you how to live a holy life in the midst of a broken world on your path, on your journey to everlasting life in the eternal presence of an eternal God. So when you surrender that, God gives you His Spirit to be able to found, be found living sinless on the day He returns. And that's the way we ought to be found. Now, as you struggle with the consequences of your past, the ripple effects from the brokenness of others and evil's attempts to destroy anything good, God is patient with you. God is patient so by your life, you can share hope with everyone you love so they can be saved too. See, God's gift is patience not for you, but patience with you. I want you to know that right now he is patiently waiting for you to humble yourself, to confess your sins, and turn from your wickedness. And the good news is this, that his gift of salvation is already available to you. That door is wide open. It's a door that that God has opened and nobody else can shut. Now understand, God is patient. He's patiently waiting for you to come to that moment of surrender. But there's there's a day coming when Jesus is going to come back again. He's going to arrive. And and on that day when he arrives, it's going to be too late then. In the Old Testament, we come across a couple stories. First, we come across the story of Noah. Remember, in the story of Noah, remember the world is so corrupt and wicked that a loving God, the only thing he can think to do, the most merciful act that he can think to do is to wipe out men and, and the creation because of how desperately wicked and violent they have become. And remember Noah, he's 120 years old, and God tells him to build a boat in the middle of the desert. And as he's building it, I'm, and I'm sure his neighbors stop in and ask him what he's doing, because that's how neighbors are. No, neighbors are nosy. And so Noah says to them, you know, they ask Noah, hey, Noah, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a boat. And, and I'm sure when that, with that, that follow-up question leads him to explain to them that God's saying he's going to flood the earth because it's of their wickedness. But rather than take that as a moment of recognizing their need to repent and turn toward God, how do the, how do the neighbors of Noah respond? They mock him. They curse him. They make fun of him. And they do that up until the day that Noah's inside the ark and the door is finally shut and then it begins to rain. And by that point, it was too late. They missed the window of opportunity. Later on, it just as we read the story of, of, of two cities named Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and they were desperately wicked cities. And I want, to, I want you to know, it's very important that you understand that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is not homosexuality. Yes, it is a sin. And yes, that that they contribute to, to where they were in their life. But the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was their inability to recognize their need for God. They had reached a point 
where not only were they unwilling to hear the truth, but they couldn't. They refused it. They, 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 they were like a five-year-old blocking their ears and screaming so they didn't have to hear the truth. And so remember, Abraham goes out and he, he, he hears from God that God's going to destroy the city. And he, he searches to find, you know, from 50 all the way down to 10, just 10 righteous people for God to, to rescue away. And that can't be found. And then God sends his own, sends his messengers, the, the, some angels into the city to try and convince them and to let them know that what's about to happen and hoping they would repent and turn away from this moment to this day of judgment that God's going to bring. And, but not only do, the, do they ignore these messengers of God, but they try to physically harm them in, in ways that are graphic and gruesome. And that was, they were happy living in their sinful lifestyle, doing what they want and seeking their own pleasure. And they were ready to defend it with their lives and to take the life of anyone who threatened to take that away from them. Until one day, when the fire began to fall, and then it was too late. When Jesus came onto this earth, and he was doing his earthly ministry, the one message that Jesus kept sharing which was really the same message that John the Baptist was sharing. Jesus kept saying this same message was repent for the kingdom of God is near. He was telling people, turn away from sin and follow after God because the day of judgment is coming. And Jesus was speaking truthfully there. And in that moment, he wasn't talking about necessarily the second coming. Yes, he's talking about that day is going to come. But in that moment, he was saying sin is being judged right now by my presence here. And when I die on that cross, it, it will be forever condemned. Sin will, will, sin's death warrant will be signed along with evil, along with the minions of evil, even those who, who flaunt their evil and try and press others into it, those who persecute those trying to do good and, and do righteousness and spread it. That evil is going has an expiration date and it has been condemned. And unless you and I as people do separate ourselves from our sin and from the sinful ways, that destruction is what waits at the end. But God is patient. He is delaying that return to give you time to repent and make your heart right with him so that you can be saved, so that that one person you love can be saved. The question is, are you willing to hear it? But more importantly, are you willing to accept that gift? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dirt Pass Sermon Podcast. If you live in or near the Greensburg, Kentucky area or find yourself visiting our community on a Sunday morning, please join us at 1030 a.m. Central Time at Greensburg Church of Nazarene, located at 31 Bluebird Lane. If you find yourself responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit through this message, would you please send me a message either through the connection card available in the show notes or simply subscribe to the Dirt Path Facebook page and you can send me a message there. I would love to pray for you.